It was one of the most amazing sights I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it rivaled peering over into the Grand Canyon and looking at the vast expanse of stars in a Kenyanite sky and driving down Main Street of Wampum. It was absolutely amazing, and given the opportunity to do it again, I'd do it in a heartbeat. That experience was making our way through the Swiss Alps. We had the opportunity to see the Alps from almost every conceivable vantage point, but one that is immensely memorable to me was from a cable car that we were riding on as we were traversing from one peak to the next, ascending to the highest accessible point that there was in the region. And of course, as the car passed from peak to peak, you could see that the valley floor was a long way down. I don't know exactly how far it down it was. I usually only gauge those things based on would I die if the car falls off the cable. And in this case, absolutely. There was no doubt about that. And so the nervous energy that was there in this car that you could probably put 100 people or so in it. There were maybe 30 of us at the time. But that nervous energy was just sort of palpable throughout the car as, as you could hear different ones just saying in amazement, even in the midst of their nervousness, oh, look at that. Look at that over there. I've never seen anything like this. This is so absolutely amazing. So it was being said, just tittering all around except for a couple of people that were there on that car, and they weren't even looking out at the scenery. They were looking inside the car. In fact, one of them was on their phone playing solitaire or some other similar game. And I thought, well, maybe they're just nervous about being this high in the air, and, and so they're just trying to block it out of their mind until we get to where we're going. Maybe they're just afraid. But by the time that 20-minute or so particular ride was over, I came to understand that it was actually something very different than that because I came to discover that they were both people who worked at the cable car stations on either end of this particular ride. And the reason that they weren't paying attention is because they'd seen it before. It's not that they didn't know that what was all around them was beautiful. It's just that they weren't being captured by the beauty anymore. And that's something that very much can happen to all the rest of us also in all sorts of different realms of life. The fact is we get into some circumstance that is familiar and oftentimes, even if it's something rather spectacular, we eventually start to take it for granted. You've probably heard it said that familiarity breeds contempt. I think maybe even more accurately, familiarity breeds indifference. Today we're beginning a new sermon series called All I Want for Christmas. All I Want for Christmas is what we're going to be talking about. And with that, you can wish for your two front teeth if you want to. But I want something bigger. I want something deeper. I want something that's more significant. And today we're going to be talking about something that if we can capture it, if we can come to experience it, I believe that this could be the best Christmas ever. What I want for Christmas is the spirit of wonder. The spirit of wonder, that's what we're going to be talking about here today. If it's possible to pass through the heart of some of the most beautiful scenery in all of the world and not be moved by it, 
Is it also possible that we can pass through a season that celebrates the most beautiful birth that there ever has been and not be moved by that? I think that's possible. In fact, I think it's probable. I don't know what your answer to that question would be, but for me, the answer is yes. The answer is I can get distracted. The answer is I have been distracted by the busyness, by the buying of gifts, by the planning of parties, by the watching of Elf. It's all wonderful, but it can also all be very distracting. And I'm guessing that maybe, just maybe, you've experienced some of that for yourself. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could recapture that? If we could recapture the wonder of Christmas? If this Christmas could be different, this Christmas season, this Advent season, could be different than the one we experienced last year? When we got to the end and we said, oh man, I missed so much. It went by so fast. Well, I believe that we can. I believe that there's a way that we can rekindle that wonder or maybe for us kindle it for the first time. And I think there are some steps that we can take to do so. That's what I want to talk to you about today. How do we get that wonder back? Or how do we experience it? Because I don't want to get to the end of this season. And what I want for you for your Christmas is that you don't get to the end of this season and look back and just say, where'd it go? And having missed the wonder of it all. So where do we get started? Well, the first thing is to acknowledge the wonder. That's where it's got to get started. We just got to acknowledge it. Can we begin by admitting that most of us aren't very wonder-oriented sort of people? I mean, we're not ones who were really all that good at stopping and smelling the roses and actually sitting down and pondering or even sitting down to watch the sun sort of sink down toward the horizon until the beautiful sunset comes and then just to continue to ponder it for a little bit. That's not where most of us are. Most of us are more, we're going to be multitasking. We're going to be on our phone while the sun sinks and then we'll look up at the beautiful moment when the glow is the best and then we'll get on to some more work we'll get back at it and I understand that desire to constantly be making progress and constantly be doing something but we also need to understand that when that becomes our perspective even though it might feel productive it's a wonder killer because there's always going to be something more to do there's always going to be somewhere else that we need to go there's always going to be something else on the docket it will never stop well what if one of those important activities that is out there for us to experience is actually the wonder of what god has done the wonder of what god is doing what if that's part of his desire for us there's a guy in the old testament who's very very important he was a guy who knew his way around a sling and a stone in fact, we know him best for the, or one of the things we know very well about him is the battle that he had with this, against these amazing odds. He was not to have won. He should have been defeated by this guy named Goliath. And the guy I'm thinking about, talking about, is David. It's David. Well, there's something else we know about David. David was also the king of Israel. That's a job that is pretty important. That's a job that keeps you pretty busy there's always something more to do. There's always another place to go. 
And it was in the midst of all of the distractions that King David had that he wrote these words. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things, the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. He's been pondering the wonders of God and he's acknowledging them in praise back to God. Yes, he's busy. Yes, he's got things to do. But he's reflecting on the wonders of God. So what is wonder anyway? I think it would be helpful for us to define it here a little bit. So let's do that. From the Oxford, Oxford Dictionary, it says, it's a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration, praise, if you will, caused by something beautiful, unexpected, or inexplicable. God traffics in the beautiful and the unexpected and the inexplicable. And what he desires from us is that that surprise would burst on us and that we would respond to it through admiration, through praise, through worship. We see busy David at it again in Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. What does that mean? It means they are full of wonder. I know that full well. David is expressing a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration because of what he has seen that is beautiful and came as unexpected and inexplicable. That's what's happening here. Now that very same reality comes front and center in the events of the Christmas story. One of Jesus' disciples, a guy by the name of John, said this, the Word, that's talking about Jesus there, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Many of you have memorized that verse because you have heard it so many times, even though you've never actually set out to memorize the verse. But let me ask you this. Did it spark anything in you as I read it? Did it spark any surprise in you mixed with admiration? I'm going to guess probably not. Why not? Because familiarity breeds indifference. Even something as vitally important as this. Now, it's not that that's not important to you. It's not that you think, well, that verse isn't anything that's really all that significant. It's just that it's lost its luster. It's lost its wonder for us. We've allowed that to happen. So we need to get it back. And to do that, we need to acknowledge the wonders that are around us. How about just as a little practical outworking of this, that from now until Christmas Day, what if you were to write down every day one wonder? One wonder about who God is or what God has done. What's a wonder? Something that is beautiful. Something that is unexpected. Something that is inexplicable as you recognize it. Maybe you would be able to go from now until Christmas Day with, with things that are all having to do with the Christmas story or, or Christmas events. Or maybe it goes broader than that. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The important thing is that we would lean into recognizing the beautiful and the unexplainable or inexplicable and the unexpected that is all around us. It would be a beautiful way to keep the wonder 
of the season from just rushing past us once again. We need to acknowledge the wonder. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on. We also need to embrace the wonder. Embrace the wonder. That means to allow ourselves to enter into it. It takes the fact that the Word became flesh from something that informs my mind and theological truth to something that inspires my heart and personal reality and personal experience. But I'm afraid that this is going to be an uphill battle for many of us because wonder isn't all that much in vogue today. In fact, you might be sitting here still kind of scratching your head thinking, do I ever really wonder? Do I ever really enter into this sort of a mindset? Because I'm really not all that kind of an ethereal sort of guy. I'm much more of just a a practical brass tacks, rubber meets the road kind of guy. And this sounds just a little bit out there. It's possible that that's kind of where we're coming at this from. And one of the reasons that we can struggle in this regard is because of pride. Pride. See, to wonder means that I'm caught off guard. It means I didn't see it coming. But most of us are in a position where we're inclined in most circumstances, if we possibly can say it, to say, well, I, I, I knew it was coming. Yeah, I saw that. I knew that was ahead. I knew that was going to happen. We have to be willing to humble ourselves before God. We need to be willing to look around us and see things that we just have to say, I didn't see that coming. That's inexplicable. That is so beautiful. But it's not just beautiful to the end of being beautiful. It's beautiful to the end of helping us to recognize that there's a creator behind that beauty. And to embrace the wonder means to draw the connection between those two points. Another wonder killer that we mentioned just a little bit ago is time. At the first Christmas, the problem was there was no room. I'm afraid in our Christmases today, oftentimes it's that there's no time. Or at least we don't allow there to be the time that we need. But embracing wonder, friends, you just need to understand it takes time. And it's not something that's really easily scheduled onto the calendar. It's not like you can just say, well, I'm going to take a wonder break on Tuesday from 2 to 2.15. It just doesn't work that way. Now, that's not to say that you can't set aside time so that you might, at that time, lean into trying to understand the wonder and the nature and the character and the attributes of God. You most definitely can do that. In fact, I'm going to call you to do that here just a little bit. But what we need to understand about wonder is it's usually best to lean into it when it comes upon us. When you see something that's beautiful or you're holding a a little baby or the grace of God somehow has captured your mind and your heart in a moment, it's best to just go for it and to lean into that and experience it for all that it is because what's happening is that the Spirit of God is awakening in you something that is allowing you to see that or to experience that. And so while that moment is fresh and while it's running, to run with it is the best of all worlds. It doesn't, it's not even that it has to necessarily take a long period of time. But you know that there is something unusual happening when you see the beautiful, when you see something that's unexpected, when, when you encounter something that's inexplicable, that those would be triggers for you that would say, I need to lean into this. 
I need to run with this as far as I can take this. Which will help you to embrace the wonder. Which will help you to make this season something different from what the other ones have been recently. One of the fascinating parts of the Christmas story is when the angel appears to Mary, comes and says to her, you're going to give birth to God. I don't know how you'd respond to that. I'd probably be saying, yeah, something about pigs flying and snowballs chances and stuff like that, but not Mary. Mary, for her part, she just wonders how that can happen because she's a virgin, is what the text tells us. But the beautiful thing is that she embraces the wonder. In fact, here's what the text says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Shortly after that, we see an additional response on her part. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What's she do? She's embracing the wonder. She's entering into the moment. She's not pushing it off. She's saying, not saying there's no way that that could possibly ever be, so forget it. She's leaning in. She doesn't understand it all. It's inexplicable to her. But she's embracing the wonder. Now, just because we're a step removed from Mary's experience doesn't mean that we can't enter into that wonder in the same way. In fact, we should enter into it in the same way because... The Savior that was going to be born through her is the Savior who brings life to be born in us. It's the same one. It's the same person. And the importance of Jesus coming to Mary is the importance of Jesus coming to us. Now, we experience it in different ways, but both in amazingly profound ways. And that should cause something to rise up in us besides if God's mercies are new every morning shouldn't our wonder of God's mercies be fresh and new every morning also acknowledge the wonder embrace the wonder there's one more that's to act on the wonder to act on the wonder. Mary wasn't the only one who received an angelic visit at Christmas time. We know that the shepherds, while they were out on the hillside, had an angel appeared to them and told them that the Savior had been born. And then a bunch of their buddies, the other angels, gathered around and, and they had this mighty chorus where they said, Glory to God in the highest. Do you think that was unexpected? Yeah. Think it was inexplicable? Yeah, and they knew it to be so. Here's what they did. They acted on the wonder. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's act on what's happened. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. As soon as the shepherds acted on the wonder, the importance, the impact of that wonder went deeper and deeper and deeper in them. See, they could have just stood back. They could have said, oh, that's interesting. But they don't do that. They don't just acknowledge the wonder. 
They embrace it and then they act on the wonder. And they go and they enter into it. And because of it, they experience it that much more fully and completely. And the same thing will happen for you and can happen for me. One of my most, in fact, powerful experiences with the wonder of God happened in a bare dorm room at a conference that I was at many, many years ago. And I was there in this room and I was all alone. It was just the middle of the afternoon. And there was this small little window. And the sun broke through right at a moment. And in that moment, I just perceived the presence of God in a way that I hadn't been perceiving the presence of God. And I thanked God for His presence, and I thanked Him for His love. And in that moment, I continued to perceive that God was leading me to something. In fact, calling me to something. Into ministry. To give my life over to ministry. And ever since that experience of wonder, my life has just gone in a trajectory in the direction of where I am today, which is just since that time, I've been doing ministry. Acting on the wonder of God is going to lead you to something for you that is significant. I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but I know if you refuse to act on the wonder of God, it'll lead you nowhere. Shepherds aren't done. Refusing to act is not going to happen for them. Even after all they'd experienced, there's more. At the end of that passage, it says, the shepherds return. They've gone to Bethlehem. They've seen the return, glorifying and praising God. Remember, being surprised with admiration, with praise. This is the classic, they're following the classic definition. Shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen that were unexpected and inexplicable and beautiful, which were just as they had been told. That's what I want for you for Christmas. That's what I want for me for Christmas. What I don't want is that this would just be another one like last one, where it just blew by, And now I'm kind of stuck. I'm kind of left experiencing less than what it could have been. I believe that this is what we can experience for Christmas. But if we just do the things that we've been doing, the things that we've done before, we're going to get the same things that we got before. Henry Ford was the one who said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. Absolutely true. So we need to turn a corner. We need to go a different direction. So what I want to do is just give you a couple of very practical ideas to jumpstart this whole process for you, okay? You might be like, man, all this wonder talk, just give me something I can do. All right, here we go. Some things to foster wonder. Just some brass tacks, rubber meets the road. I'm going to give you some here. You might want to just jot them down. Number one, ask God every morning to rekindle wonder in you. Why not start there? If God is the one who causes wonder to crack, ask Him to open your eyes and open your mind to it. Beautiful place to begin. And I believe that that will tune you in as you make your way through your day to what it is that He would have for you. To what it is that's out there that you might all otherwise have missed. Here's another one. 
write out Luke 2, 1 to 20. We've looked at a number of verses from this particular passage. Or maybe you want to take a little smaller section within that. Or maybe another piece of the Christmas story. That's fine if you prefer something from somewhere else. But write it down. Write it out. Why write it out? Why is that important? Well, it's important because as you write it out, it's going to force you to interact with the words that you are seeing there on the page differently from what you normally do. Because as you read the Christmas stories, you hear hear it read, it just kind of keeps zipping right past you because it sounds so familiar. The words aren't landing. Well, if you will write it out, the words have a better chance to land than they've had before. And the writing it out part is very important. Don't type it out. Because you can do that really fast and even pretty much without thinking. Don't speak it into your voice-to-text app and let that spit it out for you. That's skipping, that's missing the point. The important thing is to write it out. For those of you under 30, there's actually something called pen and paper. And you can take that and you can write things down. And it's going to force you to interact with it in a little different way. In fact, if you want to take this another step, what I'd encourage you to do is do this out of a translation that you're not familiar with. One that's very different. Or maybe a paraphrase like the Living Bible or, or the Message Translation that will say it in a way that you're not accustomed to hearing it. And then write that out. Or if you want extra credit, if you really want to go above and beyond, write out your own translation of the Christmas story. Read a phrase or read a verse and then write it out in your words. Why? What's the, it's so that we might interact with the story in a way that we can't if we just keep reading it the same way we've read it before. I believe that will help to foster wonder because it's going to force you to consider aspects of the story in ways that you haven't before. Number three, find a little baby and hold it. I'm serious. Grab a little baby if you can get someone to let you hold their baby, and uh, hold on to it. And look at the tiny little fingers. Look at the tiny little toes. And imagine that's Jesus, who came into our world. God became flesh. Now, I've tried this before, and there is one little piece of advice I'd give to you because it didn't work out for me. I would suggest that you find a little baby that's recently been changed. Because otherwise it completely changes the experience. Number four, change your December routine. Instead of scurrying around all month, maybe block out in your calendar a couple of evenings where you're not going to bake, you're not going to go shopping, you're going to contemplate the story. Maybe these are times when you're writing out your translation of the Christmas story. Or commit that on Christmas Eve, instead of being up into the wee hours of the night, finally making all the rest of those preparations to be ready for the next morning, commit to being done by noon or being done by the time you come to one of the Christmas Eve services so that later on, as the house starts to quiet down, you can just sit, maybe still by the tree and contemplate what it is that Jesus has done. Just some way to shake up where you've been before. Or one more that I'll give to you here, number five. Take action. Maybe you want to look for some place to volunteer on Christmas Day. Or maybe you want to go and get one of the angels off of Project Angel Tree because you've never done that before. You've never tried to assist those 
kids and families of prison inmates before, and it just might shake things up for you. Or be prayerful about how it is that you're going to participate in a way with give joy to the world like you never have been before. Just grateful about what God has given you, wanting to give back out of a heart of gratitude. We could go on and on with ideas of things that we could do. You can come up with ideas of your own. The important thing is that you would shake it up. Because if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. I know that you're probably not going to remember all this. All these ideas, I saw many of you writing them down. That's awesome. You probably won't remember two weeks from now, acknowledge the wonder, embrace the wonder, act on the wonder. So I thought, how might I boil this down for you so that it is something that you can remember all season and hopefully do all season long. And so this week as I was thinking about it, I came up with something that I thought was brilliant. You might just think it's corny, and it might just be corny, but I think it might also be memorable. So I'm going to give it to you. They're on your outline. There are blanks on the right-hand side across from each of the points. You probably wonder what in the world are those for. Well, let me tell you, we're going to fill in those blanks if you're willing. So the different points and what it is I really want you to take out of that. So the first of those is to acknowledge the wonder. Acknowledge, that's where we got started. What is that really about? What do I want to just say to you in a word? It's this, stop. That's what acknowledging the wonder is. It's allowing ourselves to stop and be captured by the beauty or you see the beauty or you see the thing that's unexpected or you read in the text something that's inexplicable and it's like, stop. Don't just rush on. Stay in the moment. And embrace the wonder is the next of those points that we made. What do you, what do, you do? How do we might maybe boil that down? Well, I'd suggest drop. That you might drop to your knees in praise. Remember, it's being surprised by or surprised with adoration, appreciation, thanksgiving. It's, it's part of humbling ourselves before God, acknowledging who He is, acknowledging the wonder of what He has done. On your knees, it's a humble position. The last of the things that we have said is to act on the wonder. What's that about? Well, I think you can figure it out, can't you? Roll. As in, let's roll. Let's get on with this. Let's do something with this. Now, I hope that your Christmas doesn't involve fire, unless it's in the fireplace. But I hope it does involve stop, drop, and roll. That's what I want for you this Christmas, is that you would have the spirit of wonder and I understand, you might be one who's like, wonder is not something that I do. Well, wonder is something that you need to do. It might not be your orientation. Honestly, it's not my first orientation. But it's something I've come to understand is an absolute necessity if we're going to be captured by God, if we're going to enter into what relationship with Him is really all about, and if we're going to make our way through this season in a way that isn't just like all the others, where we don't just look back on, after all of the wrapping papers on the floor and say, I missed it. I caught Christmas, but I missed Jesus. 
I pray that that's not our experience. We have some very practical things we can do to move ourselves in that direction. But what I want for Christmas is that together we would experience the spirit of wonder. We have the month in front of us, the opportunities in front of us. Let's lean into it and make this the best Christmas ever. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the amazing, beautiful, unexpected, inexplicable work that you have done through Jesus. Father, for many of us here, we know the story so well that it's lost its impact. We're so familiar with it that it's bred indifference. Not that we don't care, not that we wouldn't acknowledge its importance, but there's a disconnect. What we know in our mind has been disconnected from our heart. It's time to bring those things back together. So Lord, I pray that you would revive in us, rekindle in us the wonder of it all. Thank you that you are a God who loves us enough to do that which is completely outside of our perspective and our understanding and our expectation. And may that stir in us that much more worship and praise and honor and awe. Just the thought of it. God became flesh. God became flesh. God became flesh. For many of us, we've heard those words so often, they don't mean anything. But they do mean something. I pray that that meaning would crash on us that much more for your sake, for your honor, and your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.